0: So this week, we're going to look at something, uh, another facet of this idea of the church. I think this is going to be one of those things that it probably meddles with us all a little bit, because this is a challenge all of us have. Uh, as we get into there, I just want to play a little game with you. I need your help for a second, so I want you to talk to me this morning, okay? There's some things in life that just naturally go together. I'm going to give you some food items. I'm going to warm you up for lunch, okay? You tell me the food that goes with it. Peanut butter and? Jelly. Well done. Good job. Next one is this. Mac and? Good job. What's the next one? Salt and? Also a sweet R&B group from the 90s. That's great. All right. Burger and? <laughs> I played this game with Amber yesterday. I said a burger and she said bun. <laughs> that, that works too. Last one is this. Bacon and? Egg. No, the correct answer is everything. The correct answer is everything. Everything. Bacon goes with everything. Okay. All right, so, so we got all these, these things, that's great. But here's the deal, those things go together, but you don't have to put them together, right? You can just have a peanut butter sandwich, it's kind of boring, but you can have a peanut butter and sandwich, you don't have to have them both. But what we're going to talk about today is one of those things where you have to have them both. It's kind of like an airplane, an airplane. You can't have an airplane with one wing. An airplane with one wing is called an expensive bus, Okay. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't do what it was meant to do. You don't have a choice. If you're in the air and you remove a wing, that plane's going down. And this is what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about something in our faith where where we love to just, we love one facet of it, but we just want that part. We don't want the other part. And it's going to be a challenge for all of us. And I think this is the thing, this is the element that if you are not a follower of Jesus, like let's say you walked in this morning, somebody just invited you, you're just hanging out, this might be that thing that you just get really frustrated and you say, why would I even want to be a part of a church? Like that, that doesn't look appetizing. That doesn't look like something I want to be a part of, right? So we're going to talk about this. I, I, I hope God challenges all of us through this. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13 is where we're going to be at. Uh, it's important to bring a Bible with you. Uh, we're going to be picking up some Bibles in the near future here. Uh, so in case you don't have a Bible, you can borrow one on a Sunday. But before then, uh, if you can go download the UVersion app on your phone, uh, you can follow along here. John chapter 13, beginning in verse 34. And would you stand with me? Just nothing sacred about that. It's just a tradition to, to honor the, the Word of God as we read it together. John chapter 13, beginning in verse 34, says this. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Let's pray. God, I thank you. thank you that you want to speak to us, Father. And I I bet we've all had busy weeks. We've had stuff going on. And just for the next few moments, we just want to stop. Say, God, we want to hear from you. I don't want to go through the motions here, Lord. God, I want to hear from you. God, open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts, we pray in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. amen. You can be seated. Well, this uh, couple of verses that we're looking at is a part of a really long passage. Uh, here, there's several chapters in the book of John where Jesus is talking to his disciples. And this is, the occasion is very interesting because this is the day before Jesus is going to the cross. And so he is, he's having some conversations with his people, his guys, and, and he begins talking. You, you, you think about it, like this is the night before he's about to be crucified. He's about to leave these guys, so he's leaving them some really important stuff. He's leaving some really important thoughts that I want you to hold on to this. I don't want you to forget this stuff. The first thing Jesus does is he washes the disciples' feet. Remember that story where Jesus gets down and wipes the grubby feet of these guys, you know? And he just, he, he's teaching them this lesson. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to serve in the kingdom of God? It means you lay yourself down, right? He goes on later on, and he, he gives this example of this, uh, the vine. He says, listen, guys, I'm the vine. Stay connected to me. You're the branches. If, if you get disconnected from me, there's nothing you can do. But if you stay connected to me, anything is possible, which I think is really critical for us to understand in faith, that sometimes faith, we think, well, we just got to muster this thing up. Work really, really hard on our own, and then our faith will be strong. But Jesus is saying, no, work really hard to just stay connected to me. If you stay connected to me, then you'll bear good fruit. Like, good stuff will come out of your life. It isn't about trying harder. It's about remaining in Jesus, staying connected to Jesus. That's where the life is at, okay? But in the middle of this, Jesus kind of comes and and brings up this command. And I think it's interesting because he says, I'm going to bring you a new command, is a new command, because this isn't really a new command. Like this idea of loving, it's throughout Scripture. You can go all the way back into, into the Old Testament. Early on, there's this command to love. God's been talking about loving people for a very, very long time. This is not new. It's kind of like the conversation I had to have with my kids this past week. If you follow me on, on Facebook or Instagram, which if you don't, do it, because you'll be entertained sometimes, Okay but I had to have a conversation with my kids. This past week, I'm, I'm, I'm going about, I'm voice texting someone, and all of a sudden, my kids start acting crazy, and they're fighting in the other room, and I have to go deal with it, and I come back afterwards and realize that my voice text had captured everything I had just said to my children, <laughs> and so here is that conversation. Kids, Levi, what are you doing to your brother? Get over here. What are you doing? Okay, get off your brother Levi, we had this conversation. Change your behavior. If your brother is screaming, then he doesn't want you to do it, okay? Go find something else to do. That's the conversation I have with my children. How many ever had that conversation before with your kids, right? Exactly. I've had, son, we've done this before. Don't hurt your brother, okay? God has been having this conversation with his people for a long time. Love each other. You should love each other. But Jesus comes and he says, a new command I have for you. See, what makes this new is not what Jesus is commanding. It's how he's commanding. Okay? Because he didn't come to the disciples and he'd say, Hey, just love each other the way the world loves. And he didn't even say, love each other the way you love. He said, I want you to love one another the way I have loved you. See, he takes it up a notch. Jesus takes this up to a level that we can't even fathom. He's like, I know how you guys love each other. I've watched how the world loves one another. That's great, but I'm commanding something different. I want you to love one another a totally different way. I want you to love one another the way I have loved you. And he's speaking specifically to the church here. He's saying, listen, I'm talking about my disciples, how you love each other. I want you to think this way. There's a couple things about Jesus' love that is different than our love. The first thing is that Jesus' love was a self-emptying love, self-emptying love. There's a verse out of Philippians chapter 2, and it says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. And the literal word there, it means he emptied himself. Jesus emptied himself. He emptied himself of his divinity, of being up in heaven. He emptied himself of all of his rights that he owned as God. Like, he deserved all this. He deserved everyone to serve him, but he didn't. He said, you know what? I'm going to lay that down. I'm going to lay my rights down, and I'm going to serve selflessly. He laid so much down. He came, think about it. There is no further path that you could take than to go from God to a baby who's dependent on other humans to change his diaper. Does the gap get any larger than that? Jesus said, I'm going to empty myself. I'm going to empty myself, and I'm going to serve, and I'm going to give. Okay? See, that's what our love is supposed to look like for one another. That's not what normal love looks like. And normal love in our world is like, I like you a lot, and as long as I like you, I'm going to do stuff for you. But the moment you annoy me, I'm done. Right? Isn't that what I mean? Let's just be real. That's how the world operates. Jesus says we are to empty ourselves, but it's more than just in emptying love; it's a self-sacrificing love. It's where we say, you know what? I'm going to take, I'm going to take some pain even for this thing. I'm going to endure some things for this relationship. That's what Jesus said. And, and what I love about this command is that Jesus had this long-term relationship with these guys, right? He's been walking, so this isn't just a vague thing. He's going to say, hey, Peter, hey, Peter, you remember how I loved you? Remember when you were just just fishing, just doing your stuff, and I came after you? Walked to disciples who were serving as tax collectors. Hey, remember when you were doing the thing that everybody hated, nobody wanted to be around you? Remember that? Remember how I invited you into my life, and I loved you that way? when I was willing to be seen with you when nobody else would have wanted to be seen with you? That's how you should love people. You should love people that way. The real stuff, right? And if, if those disciples could think back and think, man, yeah, Jesus has loved us when we didn't deserve it. Man, loving people that way, if, if that's what they were thinking, they had no idea what he was about to do for them. Because in less than 24 hours, Jesus was going to a cross for them. And he was saying, you, you thought I was self-sacrificing in my love for you. You, you haven't seen anything yet. Just wait. The scripture takes on just new meaning when you realize how much Jesus was willing to do. And here's what Jesus is asking of us. As followers of Jesus Christ, is that we are not called to just simply show up in a room on Sundays. Like? So it's, this should not look like an elevator, okay? You know how elevators get super awkward sometimes? You know, you walk in an elevator with people you don't know, and it's just like... talk right now. You know, is anybody going to say anything? You know, it gets awkward. Okay, that's not what church is supposed to look like. Okay, we don't just show up to a building for a few, for an hour on Sunday and then walk out the door. We're supposed to be a community that genuinely loves one another, that empties, ourselves we say God it doesn't matter what my rights are I'm not standing up here because I have a right for anything I want to empty myself of that so I can serve my brother or sister that's what love is supposed to look like that's what the church is supposed. I'm supposed to sacrifice you know what sometimes it's gonna cost me some money sometimes it's gonna cost me my time sometimes it's gonna cost the giftings and the skills that I have why because I want to do something in this body that it doesn't look like the world Looks far better than the world does. See, Jesus is talking to the beginning of his ecclesia, right? These disciples, this was the start of his movement, these guys. And and he's talking to them, he's coaching them. And I love that he says this, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. By this. What is Jesus saying? He's saying this, The marker of my people, the marker of my movement is going to be a group of people that love one another. That's the marker. You wonder who my believers are? The ones who love one another. But that's not what you and I usually think of when we think of the marker for followers of Jesus, right? If, if we were to be asked, okay, what is, what's the marker of somebody who follows Jesus? Sometimes the marker for us believers might be, well, we do certain things or we don't do other things, right? That's the marker is what we do. Okay? That's, that's good. That, that should, you know, following Jesus should affect those things, but Jesus didn't say that's the marker. For some of us, it might be, man, I, I got a fish on the back of my car. I got a t-shirt on. That's the marker, right? And I love, that's great if you want to do that. I don't put a fish on my car because sometimes I accidentally cut in front of people and I don't want to be accused of a bad <laughs> Christian, okay? <laughs> Jesus should not have to defend my driving all the time, but okay? That's fine, okay? But that's not the marker, right? That's great if that was what he said, but that's not what he said the marker is. See, other people, you might say, well, what's the marker? Well, I go to church. I attend church, you know, or I go to Christian concerts, or I eat at Chick-fil-A, right? That's, that's the marker of a true Christian. Eat the Christian chicken, you know? But, but that, that's not what Jesus said. And here's the other one, and this one's a hard one. He didn't even say, by our Bible knowledge, Okay? By our Bible knowledge. I am all for Bible knowledge. Okay? I am up here teaching the word, not my opinion, okay? I am all for Bible knowledge, but you need to hear this. Bible knowledge is a means to an end. It is not the end. Don't say that. Just knowing the word. I know some crotchety people who know this book inside and out. They know it. They know all the ins and outs and they will make you feel bad because you don't know it. That is not what Jesus said. You will be known because you know this book inside and out. No, you will be known by your love for one another. Okay? Yeah. Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. That's what it says. Okay? And so we need to dig into this word, we need to know the word of God. But if the end result is not a love for one another, then we don't understand what we're reading, okay? We have missed the point, ladies and gentlemen, okay? Right. That's not the marker. You would say, well, those are some things. But the outside, I want to think, well, what, is, what would non-Christians, what do non-believers say about Christians? Well, What's a marker of a Christian? Maybe they would say, well, you know, Christians are those people who are really opinionated and they're, they pick it. They show up at bad stuff and they pick at stuff, you know? They meddle on Facebook and start posting things and just start fights on Facebook, okay? Some of us know Christians like that. They just want to pick a fight. They would say things that they would never say to a person's face, but they'll post it on Facebook, right? Listen, that's not what we're supposed to be known as. <laughs> hey, really angry people who post mean things on Facebook, that's not what we're to be known as. We're not to be known, you know, non-Christians would say, what's the number one thing? Hypocrites. They're hypocrites, Right? Okay, you know, that's not what we're supposed to be known for. And Non-Christians might think, well, Christians are people who think a certain way, or maybe even Christians are people who vote a certain way. Listen, that's not what we're to be known by. One thing Jesus says, by our love for one another. Our love for one another. In this building, that we would love one another. And hear this. We are called to love the outsider. Jesus was clear. He, t- he told the uh, different stories and, he, and talked about this idea of loving the outsider, the person who is not a part of us. But hear this Jesus is specifically talking here about us in this building. That we are called to love our brothers and our sisters, and it is throughout the New Testament, all over, this love for one another. Paul talks about it over and over and over again, that the marker of this body is a group of people that love one another, all right? And if you think it's just me, and I'm just, you know, trying to make a point here, let's go to the book of First John. First John is the one who wrote uh, John. John is the same John that wrote the book of John, wrote 1 John. He was with Jesus, okay? And if you ever have a question of whether love is an important thing, go to the book of 1 John. Let me read you a few things John has to say. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Next one says this. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Here's another verse. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Again, the body of Christ. Go on. What's the next one? Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Next one says this Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stubble. Oh, there's more. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and To love one another as he commanded us. But wait, there's more. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Get the point? Every, every time I teach, there's going to always be a big so what. What's the point of this thing? And this one's going to be challenging for you. Here's the big so what. Loving Jesus isn't enough. Okay, and before you throw me off the stage, get what I'm saying here. Because we, we struggle on this one, church. We do. Because we, we, at times, we say, all I need is Jesus. Absolutely, all you need is Jesus. Absolutely, Okay. But this is like a plane with one wing. If all you do is love Jesus, but you can't stand anybody else. If you don't serve everybody else, if you don't love the body of Christ, the whole purpose is loving one another here, okay? See, you might say, well, yeah, but, yeah, but people frustrate me sometimes. Yep. <laughs> Welcome to life, okay? All right. You say, yeah, I, I, I love, church. I go to church, I love to go to church, I just can't stand the people. Listen, I get it, people are annoying, right? Some, some of you are sitting next to an annoying person right now. It's okay, but that wasn't, that wasn't, you know, the, the question, the question is, are we going to choose to love despite? Are we going to self-empty? Are we going to self-sacrifice? Are we going to love that way, even if the person next to us frustrates us? We're not gonna stand on our rights to say, no, I deserve to be mad. I deserve to be angry. I deserve to hold a grievance against a brother or sister because let's be real, it's possible, I don't know because I don't really know all the stories that are going on here. It's possible because I've seen it happen in churches that there's somebody who sits in that section and there's somebody who sits in that section and the reason is because you two are mad at each other. I've watched it happen before. And Jesus would say this, I didn't come for that. I came that there could be unity in this body, that there could be love in this body. And I'm saying, that's my marker. And why, why is that the marker? Because look at our world, folks. Look at our world. Is our world divided right now? You just pick a reason. Our world and our country specifically is so divided right now. Over anything and everything, you pick a topic, there will be people on both sides of that, right? We live in a divided world. And Jesus is saying this. I love it. Jesus, he said this 2,000 years ago. It couldn't be any more relevant today. Like, he says, listen, the world is craving unity in diversity. They are craving people that love one another even though they don't look the same. Look around this room. We don't all look the same. We don't all think the same. You know what the best testimony to this world is? If we could love each other selflessly. If we could manage to actually care about each other. Doesn't matter whether you're young, old, black, brown, white. I I don't care if you're married, you're not married. You got money, you got no money. It doesn't matter. Can we love one another selflessly? Can we serve one another? Because that's what Jesus desired for us. That is the witness that the world is craving. They so desire to see a place that would actually care about one another. Could we do that for each other? Could we be a picture of the kingdom of God? See, Jesus came to start a new kingdom. He came to confront over and over and over again. If you look through it, Jesus confronted the way the world thought. He confronted the way everybody else was acting. He's asking us, would we live a different way? The uh, challenge that we have, though, is that we have to get practical some, at some point. Okay, that's good. But how do we actually live this thing out? And so I want to just give you, if you got notes, you might want to write some of these things down. You can write it on the back of your bulletin. But four things God put in my heart of just areas that we can, we can do this better. Number one is this thing I've been talking about, that we would embrace the struggle. That all of us would embrace the struggle of life. Okay? Why do I say that's loving? Because what you do when you are honest about your own challenges and your own struggles is you've just created a safety net for somebody else. You just made it okay for somebody else to acknowledge that maybe they're going through a hard time. And a lot of us, I don't know about you, you ever met somebody and they were going through a hard season, you're just like, I don't know what to say? You know, particularly when somebody passes away, sometimes you get in that awkward place like, God, I don't know what to say. I want to say something, but I don't know what to say. Hear this, the best thing sometimes that you can do is just to be honest open, and to be there. To say, you know what, it's okay. Cry on my shoulder if you need to. I'm here for you, right? And when we are honest about our struggles, we're placing a safety net under somebody to say, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be honest with where you're at. It's okay, right? Second thing that we can do is this, is just know that we're gonna have to get messy. We're gonna have to get messy at times. Loving one another selflessly like caring about each other, it's hard work sometimes. It's inconvenient. It's uncomfortable sometimes. And if we would say, you know what, I don't really want to get messy. I don't want to have to lean into those things. You know what? You can't really love someone. Because you know those relationships in your life where you have had to lay yourself down? It's hard. It's hard work sometimes. You got to struggle through things. You got to have hard conversations sometimes. All that stuff. It just can be messy. But if we're really going to love one another as Christ loved us, then we have to say, you know what, I'm willing to get a little bit messy, right? Something else we need to be able to do is is do this. Assume the best of one another. Assume the best of one another. We don't always do this well, right? We tend to be skeptical of one another, especially if we've been hurt in the past. We tend to assume the worst of people. But if you want to really love people, if you want to love people in your life, assume the best. If they make a mistake, you have two choices. You can say, they're a horrible, evil person who was trying to hurt me. Or you could say, they just weren't thinking. They made a mistake. Maybe they're oblivious to what just took place. If we're going to really love one another, then we have to assume the best of one another. Assume that we really care about one another. Assume that we're all works in progress, right? <laughs> Give each other the benefit of the doubt a little bit, right? Like that's what love looks like. Last thing is this. And this is one that's important to me, that we're going to deal ...with conflict in a healthy way. Deal with conflict in a healthy way. There may be no greater tool that the enemy uses... ...than dysfunctional relationships inside of a church. Okay? That here's what happens sometimes. You and I, we get, we get in a fight. We're in a fight. We're, we're, we disagree about something. You hurt me. You offend me. I offend you. Something like that happens. And rather than us dealing with it, what so often happens... I go to all my buddies and talk about it. Can you believe what so-and-so did to me? Can't believe they hurt me like this. Can't be, and we just jabber about it, right? Now we go to somebody. I go to mama. Mama, you got to hear what everybody t- was saying, how horrible that person over there is. We go to we've, anybody who will have an open, just some random guy on the street. You should hear what this person did to me. You can't believe what they did, okay? Scripture in Matthew 18 is very clear. When someone offends us, when somebody hurts us, we have one job to do, to go to them. Talk to them. We don't talk about people, we talk to people. Say that with me. We don't talk about people, we talk to people, all right? And the enemy so often uses that inside of a church because we begin talking and, and factions start happening. People are talking about stuff. Rather than dealing with conflict, we're out here having conversations. And I'll say this. My job here as the pastor, first and foremost, is that I'm called to be the shepherd of this body. And so I just want to be very clear about something with everyone here. Okay, I don't, I'm not somebody who likes to be super firm or about certain things, but if there's one thing I'm going to be firm on in this body, it's this one, okay? If I hear anybody in this body talking about people, As opposed to talking to people, you're going to have a conversation with me, okay, because that is the most destructive thing for this body, okay, just hear it, here's your warning, I will come talk to you about it, because my job is to protect this body, and I will protect this body, I will lay my life down for this body of believers, and we are called to love one another, and there's nothing more destructive than unhealthily talking about one another, okay, if you've got an issue with me, you better not be talking about it to somebody else. You come talk to me about it, all right? I am open. I will have that. My door is wide open. Come talk to me. But do not go talking to somebody else about it. And if you hear anybody talking about somebody else, the first question you need to say, boop, 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 have you talked to them about this? If the answer is no, shut it down right then. You understand? okay. That's how we have healthy relationships. Because guess what? Life happens sometimes, right? Like there's going to be conflict. I guarantee it. Some of you are going to be mad at me at some point. That's fine. Let's walk through that. Let's show the world what the church is supposed to be. Let's show the world something they don't find anywhere else because everybody just takes their toys and goes home in this world. Let's not do that. Let's actually love one another in a real way. Can we do that? Amen. 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 Yeah. I want to close with just a passage and uh, a quick story. I find this interesting, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. How many ever use that at your wedding? Did anybody use that passage scripture passage of your wedding? It's like the wedding pas- passage, you know? It always gets used because it talks about love. If you don't know what that is, it says this, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it does not proud, it does not dishonor. It's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You know, you do that at a wedding, and it's just like, oh, ushy gushy, and it's so great. And I love it. But the context of this verse actually is not about weddings. It's great in a wedding. But this is not smack dab in the middle of a conversation Paul is having with the church because they're not acting like the church. And he's saying, hey, church, you guys aren't loving each other the way it's supposed to. See this love? He's not saying, this is not Paul saying, oh, love is patient and kind and romantic and just, mm. no, he's saying, hey, church, love is patient. <laughs> like, be kind to each other. Stop being mean to each other. You know, it does not envy It doesn't boast. Like like Paul is talking to the church, he's talking to us, and we would say, God, God, could we be that kind of church? Could we be the kind of church that actually loves each other, that actually is something the, the outsiders look at and say, oh, I want that. I don't see that in my life. I don't experience that anywhere else. See, that's what Paul's challenging in his desire for us is this is what makes the plane fly we can come in this room and we can worship praise you jesus praise you we love you jesus the only way the plane flies is if we love one another if we care for one another if we serve one another and i honestly believe that's the greatest sermon that ever gets preached it's not me up here trying to talk good for you you know it's not it's not you you know Giving someone a track or or wearing a t-shirt those are all good things the greatest sermon you will ever preach is loving one another here it's the greatest picture we could ever give this happened to us a couple of years ago my life group um, we love each other we care about each other we just kind of do life together and we go camping every year and we went camping a couple years ago and Uh, We're just doing life like we do. There's like 20 kids amongst all of us. It's kind of chaos when we hang out. And we're hanging out, and we're just doing life, loving one another and taking care of each other's kids, and we're, you know, cleaning each other's snotty noses and, you know, the adults taking the kids' snotty noses, not the adults. You get what I'm saying. Anyways, so we're just doing that. We're at the campgrounds doing this thing, and this woman, when the the guys leave, and and this woman comes over to the ladies and, and asks how do you guys know each other? And and they're like, well, we're just, we're really good friends. We're part of a church together. And, love, and, and a response was something just like, I just I just had to know, because you guys just like seem to really care about each other. And it's just like, it's like you're all family and like care about one another, and love one another. And uh, they're like, yeah, well, they're not our family, but they're like our family, because we love them that much, you know. And as kind of had some conversation. Eventually, this girl ended up coming to our church and and it really was an impactful thing in her life because what, she didn't hear a sermon, she didn't listen to a podcast, you know, she didn't get some post online. No, she saw people loving each other and that's desirable to a world that doesn't experience that kind of love. And so could we preach that kind of a sermon where the world sees us caring about one another and they're like, I want that. That's what I want. Do you pray with me? Bow your heads. God, we thank you so much that you, uh, you did what we could never do for ourselves. God, you loved us. And God, I pray that you would just help us to extend that love and grace. Lord, we admit there's times where we don't love properly. We act like this world, and so God, I ask that you would forgive us of that. And Lord, I pray that you would help us God, to extend the same love that we receive from you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.